Thank you for listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing, commenting, donating, and praying for us. And for going to BrotherLance.com to get the free PDF of this teaching. So we're all heading towards a great shaking. So it might look like the devil is getting away with a lot of things right now, but ultimately he's not. You know, and God is storing up his wrath for the devil and those who are participating. So as Christians, we shouldn't be too, like, discouraged about what's going on. It's been One, it's been prophesied. Two, we know that it has to happen. But ultimately, we know that God is going to come and shake this thing up. Okay? Now, the thing is, is the church is going to be shaken too. It's the pressure, it's the conflict, it's life struggles that exposes either the gold and the silver that God wants or the dross that ha- and tin that has to be removed, right? So when we go through trials and tr- tr- uh, struggles and tribulations and tests, it's to expose, you know? You want to know what someone, a person is really like, put them in a tough situation, how do they respond? So here we have at the end of time that the world is going to be shaken. All that will that can be removed will be removed and shaken out of its place. And so God can determine, yes, you are mine or no, you're not mine. That'll happen in the body. It's going to happen in the world. Everything. So all these great glorious plans, the globalists and the elite and the transhumanists and AI worshippers think that they're going to create immortality. Right? Well, no, you're not. You're going to get so whipped up on. You're wasting your time. You guys are so foolish. It's ridiculous. It's laughable. And so, and the other thing I want to warn you about is the false revival that's coming. The false Jesus and the false worship system is going to have a false revival. Where they're going to call everybody back to holiness and purity. It's going to involve Sunday worship. They need to make Sunday holy again. They're going to go out full force. But it's going to be the doctrines and the commandments of men. It won't be the thus saith the Lord as clearly written in scripture. Right? And that's something you're going to have to prepare your hearts for. Because this new false um, you know, revival that's coming is going to be interfaith. It's going to be the Catholics and the Protestants mixed with the Muslims and the Jews and the Buddhists. They're already doing it. Right? But now they're going to talk. And then it's going to be love. It's all love, brother. We need to love each other. God is love, so we have to love each other. Accept one another. Right? They're, they're going to destroy any standard of holiness to call it love. And it's, it's, it's this giant lie. Because it's not loving to allow someone to live in their sin if they're going to burn in hell for it. That's right. It's loving to keep them from burning in hell. And the only way you can do that is tell them that they're caught in sin. Tick them off. Right. And if they're in rebellion against God and they won't accept the one true God, then yeah, or like if they get rid of like, uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father is through me, Jesus said, and they'll be like, no, no, that's not what he meant. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have recognized the verse. Now we'll dismiss the verse and move on. The watch for it's coming. It's easy to point fingers at the world, but we really need to point fingers at the church. If anybody wants to be mad about the way the United States has become, it's because the church has lost its fire, its saltiness, and its light. The church is to blame. And the people sat underneath leaders who become compromised, and they just duplicate it because it's easy. Right? It's the church's fault. Just no, There's no doubt about it. There's no point getting mad at a sinner for sinning. That's what sinners do. I mean, get mad at the, the, the body. What are we doing? We're the one that's supposed to help institute change in the power of the Holy Spirit and conquer for Christ and free souls from hell. 
It's our fault. And so guess what's going to happen, guys? We have to break new ground again. How's that br uh, ground broken? You have to sacrifice. People will die. Blood will be spilt, right? And it's this cycle that someone has to pay the price to start a new thing. Well, we have come full circle, folks. The body of Christ is dying in the West. And that means in order to get it back again, people are going to have to sacrifice, be persecuted, and die. It's just what it is. They're going to lose house and home. They're going to lose everything. It's the only way it works. And it's always worked that way. Look, all throughout history, even all the way from the back in the beginning of the Bible, all through the New Testament, it's always been the same thing. A great persecution broke out. It happened to the church in the book of Acts. Right? And Paul went around killing everybody. Right? And Rome. Right? And all this blood was spilt. And all these people died for their faith. But what was the outcome? In a matter of years, Christianity flourished. It's the strangest thing. It's almost bewildering that you see these waves of persecution come in and all the Christianity looks like it's been stepped out, but it's a spiritual principle. Their blood has been spilt. Door spiritual doorways have been opened. People have paid the price. And the people that come after them benefit from that price being paid. Dear Father, we praise you. We thank you so much that we're back together again, that we can continue to study your word and learn more about you, what the future holds, and all the craziness that's going to ensue in this world, and how to prepare our hearts and minds for it, and to be able to move forward in faith and victory. And so give us the Holy Spirit, God's your truth. Thank you for your love and many blessings, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Are you going to... Oh, there she goes. <laughs> she gone. All right, Escape from Babylon. This series, part 19, after a little bit of a break for health and recovery on my end. Uh, the Great Shaking and Purification of the Bride, part 1. So let's read. Malachi 3, 2-3. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who will stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a launderer's soap. And he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them as gold and silver. And they shall offer to Yahweh offerings in righteousness. That's kind of our focus verse because, you know, this purification and shaking is coming. But let's read what I wrote. It says, you drink water and you create urine. You eat food and you create feces. You breathe air and exhale the waste gases your body does not need. Taking good things and releasing bad things. Yet the heart is a different thing entirely. The heart is a replicator, a duplicator. What you put into it is what you get out of it. We become what we behold and value. What we allow into our hearts and minds grows and magnifies itself. Either God will find it to be gold and silver or dross waste products to be burned out, out of us. Beware the refining, refiner's fire. And so what this study is about, as you can tell, is about the shaking that's coming to the earth and to the church and the purification of the bride, the refining's fire, to get away all the dross and the waste product that is in our heart, minds, and souls and to prepare himself a bride that is coming uh, when, uh, when he comes. You know, so we'll be prepared as the bride of Christ and that uh, he'll be happy with the church he finds. Okay, so let's look at the great shaking. The great shaking is coming. Haggai 
two five uh, through seven plus twenty two through twenty. Uh, sorry, twenty through twenty two. This is the word that I have covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit lived among you. Don't be afraid, for this is what Yahweh of Army says. Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens. The earth, the sea, and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. The precious things of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says Yahweh of armies. Yahweh's word came the second time to Haggai on the 24th day and on the month, saying, Speak to the Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the throne of the kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride on them. The horses and their riders will come down, and everyone by the sword of his brother. Right? So we're all heading towards a great shaking. So it might look like the devil is getting away with a lot of things right now, but ultimately he's not. You know, and God is storing up his wrath for the devil and those who are participating. So as Christians, we shouldn't be too like discouraged about what's going on. It's been one, it's been prophesied. Two, we know that it has to happen. But ultimately we know that God is going to come and shake this thing up. Okay. Now the thing is, is the church is going to be shaken too. You know, and much like a salt shaker or a pepper shaker, you know, and you shake it and the goodies come out, you know, and that's what God's going to do. He's going to shake his church and all the bad stuff's coming out. You're right. And all the fakers and all those people who are half hearted are going to get purified and removed. Right. Because when he turns up the heat, only those who truly love him are going to withstand it and stay. And they have put their trust in him. So let's read Isaiah 13, 6 through 19. Wait for the day of Yahweh is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore, all hands will be feeble and every heart will, everyone's heart will melt. They will be dismayed. Pangs and sorrows will seize them. They will be in pain like a woman in labor. Now, before I go any farther, I highlighted these things in red to go back and forth what, what Jesus said, because he prophesied the same thing. So, so to prove that this is, end time stuff. I did that to make it easy. So if you want to go back and look, God says this in the Old Testament. Jesus says this in the New Testament. Okay. So you could take red and, and go look in the other part. So, and on uh, page two, but let me continue. Uh, I'll, I'll start from pains and sorrows will seize them. They'll be in pain like a woman in labor. labor. They will look in amazement at one another. Their faces will be faces of flame. Ooh. Behold, the day of Yahweh comes, cruel with wrath and fierce anger to make the land a desolation and destroy its sinners out of it. Right? For the stars of the sky and its constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened and it's going out and the moon will not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will cause the arrogance of the proud to cease and I will humble the arrogance of the terrible. I will make people more rare than fine gold. That means desolation. People are going to be just destroyed. Even a person that is the pure gold of Ophir. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will be shaken out of its place. In Yahweh's of armies wrath in the day of his fierce anger, it will happen that like a hunted gazelle and like sheep that no one gathers, they will reach to turn to other people and each will flee to their own land. Everyone who is found will be thrust through. Everyone who is captured will fall by the sword. Their infants and all will also be dashed in pieces before their eyes. Their houses will be ransacked and their wives raped. Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them. This is a prophecy, right? So don't get too caught up on the Medes. Uh, top of page two. 
who will not value silver or as for gold, they will not delight in it. Their bows will dash the young men in pieces and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eyes will not spare children. 19. Here we go. Babylon, the glory of the kingdom, the beauty of the Chaldeans pride will be like, uh, be like when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. And so we're talking about Babylon coming out of Babylon being removed from this. So this is what he's saying. So he's like, come out of her so you do not partake in her plagues. Right. And here we have all these plagues that God's going to be bringing upon them. Right. And so we see this duplicated in Jesus's warning. Again, if you look at your PDF, uh, they're in red. So you can kind of go back and quickly connect the two. And I'm not going to take the time because I'm sure you're going to catch it. You catch it when I read past it. It says Matthew 24, 3 through 32. And Jesus, this is from Jesus. So we know this is the end of time as Jesus also prophesied this very thing. So verse uh, thir- uh, 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, what will these things be? What is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, Be careful that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, or I am with Christ, and will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, much like today. See that you aren't troubled, for this all must happen. But the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nations, and kingdoms against kingdom, and there will be famines, that's happening. Plagues, that's happening. Earthquakes, that just big time happened in Turkey in various places. But all these things are the beginning of birth pains, as we read up above. Verse 9, they will deliver you up to oppression and will kill you. Okay, so this is not secret rapture. You're being taken out and you're going to be spared from all the horrible things. No, Jesus said they'll deliver you up and kill you. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Right? This is part of the purification of the bride. They, uh, then many will stumble, that's the believers, and will deliver up one another and will hate one another. In other words, people are going to turn their back on the faith and turn brothers and sisters in Christ in, right, to each other. And um, we have to be prepared for that, okay? It says, uh, many false prophets will arise and will lead many astray. Well, we see that on television every day because iniquity, iniquity will be multiplied and the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end, the same will be saved. So how do you have to be saved? You have to have endurance, right? Don't give up. Apply yourself. Don't look away. Keep pressing forward because this refining fire, this great shaking that's coming is not just for the world. It's for the church. Right. We're going to separate, you know, this is saying the men from the boys or the women from the ladies. Uh, this good news of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world for a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come when therefore you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel, the prophet standing in the holy place. Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who's on the housetop not go down to take out the things that are in the house. Right. And then verse 18, let him who is in the field not turn back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are with child and to the nursing mothers in those days. Just like we read up above, right? About them not sparing the child. Verse 20, pray that your flight will not be in the winter nor on the Sabbath, for there will be great oppression such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, or ever would be. 
Okay, so let's stop right there. This happened, this part of the prophecy happened in, you know, 70 AD when they destroyed Jerusalem. But that is a prophetic, you know, marker of what's going to happen at the end of the time, end of time, right? And those who flee from the city, run to Jesus, and listen, obey, are going to be blessed in that, right? But this is like, there's the type and then the archetype. Well, the archetype is coming. That was the type, the archetype is coming at the end of time, okay? So let's keep reading. Unless those days have been short, no flesh would have been saved. But for the sake of the chosen ones, those days will be shortened. Then if any man, now up above we said that will make men rare as gold, right? And well, here we go. There again, okay. So if any man tells you, behold, here is Christ or there, there is, don't believe it. For there will rise false Christ and false prophets and they will show great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the chosen ones, right? So at the end of time, there's going to be spiritual power. And at the end of this Bible study, we're going to talk about the latter rain. Spiritual power on both sides. The demons are going to be doing miracles the body of Christ will be doing miracles. Okay? Verse 25. Behold, I have told you beforehand, if therefore they tell you, behold, he is in the wilderness, don't go out. Said, behold, he is in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes from the east and is seen even to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. In other words, everyone's seeing this. For wherever the carcass is, there is where the vultures gather together. 29. But immediately after the oppression of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky. Then all the tribes of earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with great power with, with power and great glory. He will send out his angels with the great sign of a trumpet. And they will gather together his chosen ones from the four winds. Right? So there's no mystery disappearing act like they talk about in the rapture. Like, oh, you know, if everybody's seeing Jesus coming, then they know what's going on. Right? Uh, so he will send out his angels with the great sign of the trumpet. And will gather together his chosen ones from from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Now from the fig tree, uh, learn this parable when its branches has now become tender and pro uh, produces its leaves. You know that summer is near, right? So he said, when you see these things, right, this shaking, this whole destruction of humanity in the planet, right? That's coming down upon everything. So last time we talked about uh, the city of refuge, right? And fleeing to the city of refuge, which we know is Jesus Christ, right? And, but we also have Zion or the new Jerusalem, Right, they're literal, they're literal places, but ultimately for the Christian, it's fleeing to Jesus, being found under His wings, to be found in, within the body of Christ. Okay, so let's read Hebrews twelve, twenty-two through twenty-nine, atop of page three. It says, "But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God." It says, "Take take heart, we flee to a city of refuge." Sorry, but you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. To an innumerable multitude of angels, to the festal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn who are rolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkling blood that speaks of something better than Abel's does, to take care not to refuse the one who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on the earth, how much less shall we if we reject the one who warns from heaven? In other words, listen to God, respond to God, and obey him. 26. Then his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, I will once more shake not only the earth, but heaven too. Now this phrase once more indicates that the removal of what is shaken, that is, of created things, so that which is unshaken may remain. Right? So once more, I will shake everything. Right? So we saw the, like, the dress rehearsal of Israel being sacked by the Romans and everybody's murder and the, and the, the death and the destruction. Right? And he says, once more, I'm going to do this again, guys. 
Verse 28 says, so since we are receiving an unshakable kingdom, let us give thanks. And through this, let us offer worship, pleasing to God in devotion and all. For our God is indeed a devouring fire yeah. or a consuming fire. Right. So here we have at the end of time that the world is going to be shaken. All that will that can be removed will be removed and shaken out of its place. And so God can determine Yes, you are mine, or no, you're not mine. That'll happen in the body. It's going to happen in the world. Everything. So all these great, glorious plans—the globalists and the elite and the transhumanists and AI worshippers—think that they're going to create immortality, right? Well, no, you're not. You're going to get so whipped up on. You're wasting your time. You guys are so foolish. It's ridiculous. It's laughable. You know, it's like that old story of man saying to God, "God, I can do anything. You can do." Right. And then he was like, fine, create a human being. And then man picks up dirt and God goes, get your own dirt. <laughs> right. They're just manipulators. OK, that's all they can do. They're just manipulate. They're not creating. The devil doesn't create. He manipulates. Right. So he he might be inspiring individuals to take things that God has allowed to exist and to be and manipulate it. But it's not creativity. They're manipulating, right? And only God can create something out of nothing, right? And that's what he's done. And so God was like, yeah, you're playing in my sandbox, buddy. And guess what? I'm flipping the sandbox over. It's done with. We're, we're not playing this game anymore. You lose. Then ain't nothing they can do about it, right? But so they'll, they'll sit there and rage uh, against God, but it means nothing. It's laughable. I mean, all your, in all your anger and all your, your, your lust for more, what are you getting yourself? Nothing. What a waste of time, you foolish people. Accept Jesus Christ, submit to God, and then actually receive something worth having. You know, I mean, come on. So, anyways, First John 2, 15 through 17. Don't love the world or the things that are in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the Father's love isn't in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life isn't the Father's, but it's the world's. The world is passing away with its lust. But he who does God's will will remain forever, right? So up the, real quick, on Hebrews 12 up there that we just talked about, it's like we're fleeing to a city, right? And it also talks about it's going to be shake, everything's shaken again, but we're, fle we're fleeing to a city that can't be shaken, right? And here in this verse, we talked about the world is passing away in all of its lust, right? But, but, who, but he who does God's will will remain forever, right? Because you will be inside the unshakable city, right? And so nothing will be able to touch you in there. Now, in the world, in defiance, people want to say, I don't need God or I'll make up my own God or blah, 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 you know, but all they're doing is building their house on sinking sand, right? As Christians, we're, we know better and we have the better inheritance, right? They're inheriting hellfire and damnation and punishment for their sins. We get immortality and get to be with God forever. Okay, so let's look. So, so he's making a new heavens, new earth. Isaiah 65, 17. For behold, I create a new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered, nor come into mind anymore, right? And so what is he saying? All these things, all these efforts they're putting through right now, all these Bill Gates people and Carl Schwab or whatever his name is, and the Rockefeller, you know, what a waste of time. They feel important because they have, you know, 100-year plans that they work out. 
to manipulate society. But it means nothing. It's all going to end the same. And guess what? Every one of them dies. That's right. And they're going to die again in the hellfire. So, 2 Peter 3.13, but according to this um, his promise, we look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, right? So the implication is no unrighteousness will dwell there, right? So those who are unrighteous and rebellion against God, shaking out like a salt shaker, you're getting it, you're gone. So, Revelation 21.1-5, it says, I saw a new heavens and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away and the sea is no more. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice out of heaven saying, Behold, God's dwelling is with his people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eye. Death will be no more. Neither will there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. For the first things are gone. That's the heavens, the earth, the universe, all of it. It's going to be folded up like a scroll and done away. He's going to make a new heavens, a new earth. All creation fell when Adam and Eve fell. You know, it, it, it changed everything in the universe. All of it's gone, right? All will pass away, right? Satan and his angels are trying to desperately hold on to the garbage pail that this universe is, right? It's, there's beauty in it. Don't get me wrong. But it's much like watching, looking at like a the Mona Lisa crumbled up and thrown in the trash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the Mona Lisa, but it's kind of messed up now, mm -hmm. right? It's lost its value. So, uh, verse 5. He who sits on the throne says, Behold, I make all things new. He writes, Right? For these words of God are faithful and true. In other words, you can trust them, right? So, the whole world, everything's going to be shaken. It's the, he's making something new, right? Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That's in the body of Christ. That is in the world. Get ready for it, guys. It's coming. The shaking is coming, okay? Don't be, you know, confused when it starts happening, when you see ministries fall, when you see ministers back out, when you see people turn away from the faith. One of the biggest things, and I've, I've been paying attention to this for a while now, but here's the one thing. If you ever see on television a minister ever do this thing, and I've seen it multiple times recently, where they will talk about a subject in the Bible, mention another Bible verse that counteracts what they're saying and dismiss it. And then go on teaching their antichrist. Like, uh, what's his name? Andrew Stanley? Andy, Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley. All right, he was talking about homosexuality. He goes, yeah, I know all those verses in Romans, chapter, in the, in Romans the clobber verses. Yeah. Right? But then he goes on and goes, but whatever. Creflo Dollar, I heard him do the same thing. Yeah, the Bible says women are weaker vessels, but that's not what it means. Don't think, it's not, that's not it. And they go on. You're going to see this more and more. These people that claim to be Christian, they'll mention that, yes, these verses exist, but tell you to ignore them. That's right. Right. Oh, my goodness. Right. And you're going to see it more and more. So be ready. And so and the other thing I want to warn you about is the false revival that's coming. The false Jesus and the false worship system is going to have a false revival. Where they're going to call everybody back to holiness and purity. It's going to involve Sunday worship. They need to make Sunday holy again. They're going to go out full force. But it's going to be the doctrines and the commandments of men. It won't be the thus saith the Lord as clearly written in scripture. Right? And that's something you're going to have to prepare your hearts for. Because this new false um, you know, revival that's coming, it's going to be interfaith. It's going to be the Catholics and the Protestants mixed with the Muslims and the Jews and the Buddhists. They're already doing it, right? But now they're going to talk, it's going to be love. 
It's all love, brother. We need to love each other. God is love, so we have to love each other. Accept one another, right? They're, they're going to destroy any standard of holiness to call it love. And it's, it's, it's this giant lie. Because it's not loving to allow someone to live in their sin if they're going to burn in hell for it. That's right. Amen. It's loving to keep them from burning in hell. And the only way you can do that is tell them that they're caught in sin. Tick them off. Right. And if they're in rebellion against God and they won't accept the one true God, then yeah, or like if they get rid of like, uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father is through me, Jesus said. And they'll be like, no, no, that's not what he meant. Mm -hmm. Oh, we have recognized the verse. Now we'll dismiss the verse and move on. The watch for it. It's coming. All right. So be encouraged. The four I wills of Exodus 6. Okay. So the four I wills of Exodus 6 are these. Exodus 6, 6 through 8. Therefore, tell the children of Israel, I am Yahweh, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So I will carry you out. It says, I will rid you out of their bondage. I will rid you out of the bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. So you'll be brought out. You'll be redeemed. With great judgments. In other words, God's kicking some butt when he starts shaking this planet. And I will take you to be for a people and I will be to you a God. We just read that in Revelation. I will be to you your God, right? And you shall know that I am Yahweh your God and, you, and br who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, right? Now, before we go any further, the burden of the Egyptians is just symbolism of the world system, right? Taskmasters, the, their values, false worship, Okay. Verse 8, I will bring you into the land in which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for a heritage, for I am Yahweh. Right? And I saw another, uh, I read this in a uh, on a website, the four I wills. I thought, that is great. I need to add this to, to this study because it really goes well. So I will bring you out from the burden of the Egyptians. I will redeem you. I will take you for a people, and I will bring you to the promised land. Mm -hmm. Right? These are the promises of God. This applies to us now. Okay, so top of page four, it says, we are going, I'll wait for Angel, <laughs> top of page four, we are going to the spiritual land of promise, fleeing spiritual e Egypt, being freed from the world system and the burden of sin to become the family of God forever, amen. Yet before then, God will purify his church, right? And so we can count on that. He's going to bring us out. We're going to be redeemed. He's, he's going to be our God. And we are going to the spiritual land of promise for us, which is heaven and the earth made new. Okay. So here we go. It says, get ready. The purifying of the bride. It's easy to point fingers at the world, but we really need to point fingers at the church. Even if anybody wants to be mad about the way the United States has become, it's because the church has lost its fire, its saltiness and its light. The church is to blame. And the people sat underneath leaders who become compromised and they just duplicate it because it's easy, right? It's the church's fault. Just no, there's no doubt about it. There's no point getting mad at a sinner for sinning. That's what sinners do. I mean, get mad at the, the, the body. What are we doing? We're the one that's supposed to help institute change in the power of the Holy Spirit and conquer for Christ and free souls from hell. It's our fault. All right. Now, it's just this facts. Okay, but don't feel too bad about it, guys, because it's a natural cycle. Israel kept doing it. 
They'd go hard for God, and then God would make their life easy, and they would slide back. And then God would make their life hard, they'd repent, and they'd go forward. And so what does this tell you? That humanity, unless it's under the thumb of oppression, does not respond well to prosperity. It's a simple fact. The church doesn't either. And so we all have to be on guard that when things are smooth, when things are good, that we don't fall back, that we keep attached to God and understand that that's the reason why life is good. Okay, because as soon as we get complacent, selfish, self-involved, we start sliding back and get our focus all jacked up. And then there we go again. And we're back in the cycle. Well, well, guess what? It happened in America, right? From the from the founding of our nation as a Christian nation to falling back into this, you know, what we have become today It's because people became laxed. All right. First Peter 4, 17 through 19. For the time has come for judgment to begin with the house of God. If it begins first with us, what will happen to those who don't obey the good news of a God? If it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will happen to the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let them also who suffer according to the will of God in doing good entrust their souls to him as to the faithful creator. Right. So judgment is beginning in the house of God. I've done a podcast on this. It has begun. That's why you see so many ministries, so many backsliding people capitulating, pastors encouraging them people to accept abortion, homosexuality, the COVID vaccine, everything, right? And 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 totally going against what the Bible says. So I put, woe unto you who refuse to allow the Spirit of God to work, not to work, not allowing it to remove from you the sin that stains your soul. You will go through much fire, persecution, and torment to be made ready. How then must we act? Let us purify ourselves of rebellion and sin. Throw off everything that holds us back, bound to this flesh, right? So how do we do that? 1 Corinthians 11, 31 through 32. If we carefully judge ourselves, we will not be punished. Hmm. But when the Lord judges and punishes us, he, take, he does it to keep us from being condemned with the rest of the world. So, okay, here's the thing. Either you do it yourself. Or God will start doing it to you. And if you resist that, you're being condemned with the rest of the world. That's is, is it. I mean, you know, but we don't want to be that way. We want to engage in the process of purification. Right? So let's keep reading. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. My son, don't despise Yahweh's discipline. Neither be weary of his reproof. For when Yah- for whom Yahweh loves, he reproves, even as a father reproves a son in whom he delights. Proverbs 17, 3. Their finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but Yahweh tests the hearts. Right? So he's putting the two together to help us understand. That, listen, it's the pressure. It's the conflict. It's life struggles that exposes either the gold and the silver that God wants or the dross that ha- and tin that has to be removed, right? So when we go through trials and shru- tru- uh, struggles and tribulations and tests, it's to expose, you know? You want to know what someone, a person is really like, put them in a tough situation. How do they respond? You hear about it in survival situations that some people get so selfish and self-seeking that they all they can think about is how to save their own lives. No crawl over woman and child and baby. It doesn't matter to get that one piece of food, that life, life uh, vest. They'll do anything. And then the other people will just give up everything to help those people. Right. And that's just no, there's no difference in the body of Christ. These struggles come to expose how we're going to react. Right. If we act correctly, we get a reward. If we act incorrectly, we get a punishment. We're not, we're going to get something, but don't confuse yourself. <laughs> You're getting something, right? And like I put in a text that, you know, when God 
asks us to do something to for him. We are given an opportunity for a blessing or a curse. A blessing if we obey, a curse if we don't, because the devil is going to be right there to kick us right in the face. Yes, yes right? And so and one of the biggest things I've seen the church do is when God calls them to do something, they don't do it because they're like, oh, God will take care of it. God will have somebody else do it. That's a sin. I don't have to do it. Like, I won't do this ministry, God. You'll have somebody else to do this ministry, right? I won't do this for that person because you'll have somebody else do it for him, right? Because it's taking the responsibility off of you. Well, guess what? You know what? You're not getting away with anything because now you're opening yourself to uh, a curse because of disobedience. And you have failed the opportunity that God has given you to be with him, to stand with him, and to prosper in him. That he doesn't give to everyone. So you really, you know, cut off your nose to spite your face if you don't respond as hard as it can be, right? And so we have to understand we are responsible. And here's the thing. Yes, somebody else can do this ministry. God can bring, <laughs> Jesus said he can make the rocks cry out if the children didn't, you know? So what's that saying? He can make a monkey do this. That's what he's saying. As you know, it's not yay Lance, it's yay God. Because guess what? Lance is replaceable. All of us are. Not all of us are given the opportunity to partner with God and do something great for his kingdom, period. Right? And when that opportunity comes and we back away from it, whoa, whoa, does. First of all, who's to say you'll get the opportunity again, right? And who's going to say that that same amount of blessing would have been, it would be yours again? So we always have to respond to whatever God is saying as fast as humanly possible and put our trust in him. And then that we judge ourselves because we're mm -hmm. willingly engaging in the operation of purification of our hearts and souls. Because whenever God asks us to sacrifice for him, it's tough. It's hard. There's a lot of stress. You know, I've been doing this for three years and I still have stresses, you know, because of doing this, you know, and like, it's not easy, but again, I know it's part of the process of purifying my heart, purifying my soul, testing myself in, with the Lord instead of having him have to test me because I'm so reticent and running away from his correction that I won't allow myself to go through anything tough, right? And so we need to be on guard for that. Okay, next one. God disciplines and punishes his people and children. Ezekiel 22 17 through 22, Yahweh's words came to me saying, Son of man, the house of Israel has become dross to me, right? The waste. All of them are brass, tin and iron, and lead in the middle of the furnace. They are dross of silver. Therefore, thus says the Lord Yahweh, because you have become all dross, therefore, behold, I will gather you in the middle of Jerusalem. As they gather silver, brass, iron, lead, and tin in the middle of the furnace to blow the fire on it, to melt it. So I will gather you in my anger and in my wrath, and I will lay you there, and I will melt you. Yes, I will gather you and blow on you with the fire of my wrath, and you will be melted in the middle of it. As silver is melted in the middle of the furnace, so you will be melted in the middle of it, and you will know that I, Yahweh, have poured out my wrath on you. What happened to, to Jerusalem? They burned and torched the whole thing from the fire and the blood. God just like, listen, I will put you in the middle and I'm going to burn you up. And I'm done with this. That's the same thing that's going to happen at the end of time. And the people in the body of Christ who are goats, who think they're sheep, they're going to be part of the world and they're going to get burned up too. Right. And so here's the thing. You can't escape this. Because either you're going to do it now internally in your heart and let God burn away things in you, 
Or he's going to burn you up, period. So nobody escapes this. Just like I've talked before, nobody escapes persecution, suffering in this life, hurt, heartache. Everybody gets it. But some people get it with a reward for obedience to God. And some people, it's just, that's it. You just suffered to suffer with no hope of return, right? And so we want to invite God in Christ into our heart in the Holy Spirit. We want them to come in and start eating things away and burning things up and making us miserable at times because the work it's doing in us is producing gold and silver in which he wants, right? And gold and silver is representative of a clean heart, clean mind, clean spirit, walking in righteousness, being holy before God and doing that which is pleasing in his sight. Can he, so he can say, hey, you're like me. We can hang out, right? <laughs> yeah, purified. All right. God tests his church with burden and affliction. Psalm 66, 8 through 12. Praise our God, you people. Make the sound of his praise heard, who preserves our lives among the living and doesn't allow our feet to be moved. For you, God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. You brought us into the prison. You laid burdens on our back. You allowed men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through the water, but you brought us to this place of abundance. So it is God who does the testing. Everybody's going to be like, oh, the persecution of the church. God is doing it. He's using the world. That's Don't be shocked. Look at my podcast, The God of Persecution, The Purifying Work of Persecution. It only happens because God allows it. Don't God's not up there going like, didn't see that coming. No, it goes, it's time. Things need to be removed. People need to understand where they're at with me. And how, you know, for us to understand our true faith and for God to test us. Right? So when, when this persecution happens in America, listen, first of all, blame yourself. Because if you have been on fire as the body of Christ and sharing the gospel, guess what? You're going to be just fine. But if you've been half-hearted it right in the, the, the uh, pew, right, and just being warmed and fuzzied all to death, you know, wrapped up in the blanket of ignorance and stupidity, preached in the pulpit, guess what's going to happen? Mm. You're going to have to go through the fire in the furnace to purify yourself, right? Mm. So... Here's my thing. I'm going to do it willfully. I'm going to just jump in it. I'm, look at me. I, I wear this shirt. I got it all in my car. I wear my tag. I just put myself out there. I was like, God, this, let's just do it because I don't want to have to do it the other way. First of all, if you fear God, you're going to fear the other way because you know that it ain't going to be fun. So learn to sacrifice now. Learn to deal with persecution. Learn to deal with rejection. Learn to, for these people to come at you weird and attack you and just beat you up. And praise God all the way. Because guess what? You are being trained. God is preparing you. But woe unto you who doesn't want to do it. Because when it does happen, it will cripple your faith. You will not be able to stand. Because you have like the candy coated outside with the ooey gooey caramel center that will melt. You know, and you will become nothing. And you will lose your salvation because you're unable to stand. Okay, God will strike and purify his church. Isaiah 1, 21 through 28. How the faithful city has become a prostitute. Okay, now we talked about this in the past, that prostitution, whoring out is a, an, an example of mixing religion, of 
uh, godliness and godlessness, right? So he's saying you have prostituted yourself to the world, right? She was full of justice, righteousness, and, and lodged in her. But now murderers, your silver has become dross, your wine mixed with water. Your princes are rebellious in the company of thieves. Everyone loves bribes and follows after reward. They don't judge the fatherless, neither does the ha uh, the cause of widow come to them. I would just want to stop right here because... Um, you know, this is the church. You know, the church is doing this. Everybody loves the high-seated place. Everybody likes the big income, right? They don't, uh, I love this part about the widow and the orphan, right? Because they tell the widow and the orphan to sow your seed. Where biblically, the, the seed that was sown, the tithe, was made to take care of the widow and orphan. Yes, it, it's evil. And Malachi is for the, the priesthood, not for the people. And people like like to bring up Malachi and be like, you know, bring treasure into my house. It's because the, the leadership wasn't paying their tithe because uh, the priest paid tithe too. Anyway, so um, uh, it's the church. 24, therefore, the Lord Yahweh of armies, the mighty one of Israel says, ah, I will get relief for my adversaries and avenge myself on my enemies. I will turn my hand on you. Thoroughly purge away the dross and take away all your tin. I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors as the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, a faithful town. Zion shall be redeemed with justice and her converts with righteousness, but the destruction of the transgressors and sinners shall be together, and those who forsake Yahweh shall be consumed. In other words, that, that shaking, making all things new, taking away the old, right? So this is God saying, like, listen, all you pathetic people within the body of Christ who claim to know me, you don't. And guess what? You're gone. I'm not dealing with you anymore, right? You need to get out of your own way. Stop thinking with your own understanding and submit to what the scripture says. Obey God. Live in repentance. We don't earn salvation. We respond to it in obedience and love, right? It'd be like if I gave you a million dollars, wouldn't you want to be my friend? Of course you would. Come on. Yeah, right. So as the body of Christ, how much more so when God saves your soul and gives you the power of self-control so you don't have to be caught up in your sin? What is the right response? Okay. Isaiah 48, 9 through 11. For my name's sake, I will defer my anger. And for my praise, I hold it back for you. So I, that I don't cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have chosen you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own, uh, for my own sake, I will do it. For how would my name be profaned? I will not give my uh, my glory to another. Right? But listen, I have chosen you in the furnace of affliction. It's coming to the body of Christ, especially to the Western Christianity. Many, Much of Christianity around the world is already in affliction. They're already being purified. Right? And they're paying for the sins of their parents who did not do right. They're having to deal with breaking new ground, spiritually speaking. And so they're enduring a lot. Somebody came before us and broke new ground in America, right? And put in all the effort. And we have turned our back upon that price. And so guess what's going to happen, guys? We have to break new ground again. How's that ground broken? You have to sacrifice. People will die. Blood will be spilt, right? And it's this cycle that someone has to pay the price to start a new thing. Well, we have come full circle, folks. The body of Christ is dying in the West. And that means in order to get it back again, people are going to have to sacrifice, be persecuted, and die. 
It's just what it is. They're going to lose house and home. They're going to lose everything. It's the only way it works. And it's always worked that way. Look, all throughout history, even all the way from the back of the beginning of the Bible, all through the New Testament, it's always been the same thing. A great persecution broke out, happened to the church in the book of Acts, right? And Paul went around killing everybody, right? And Rome, right? And all this blood was spilt. And all these people died for their faith. But what was the outcome? In a matter of years, Christianity flourished. It's the strangest thing. It's almost bewildering that you see these waves of persecution come in and all the Christianity looks like it's been stepped up, but it's a spiritual principle. Their blood has been spilt. Door spiritual doorways have been opened. People have paid the price. And the people that come after them benefit from that price being paid. Even right now, in one of in communist China, which is a giant hellhole of persecution, Christianity is booming. <laughs> the more they persecute, the more it booms. It's, they're, they're, they're so stupid. First of all, the, the Chinese people are beautiful human beings, and what they're going through is horrible. But the Chinese Communist Party, and I hope you're listening to this because I know you do, you're pathetic and you're going to hell. Okay? And Xi and all those other people going to hell. You lost. You're going to lose. And guess what? Christianity is in your country because you can't stop God. Period. You can't stop Jesus. You can't stop the power of the Holy Spirit. And what's the other funny thing about communist China is many of the communist leaders in the communist party are becoming Christians. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So deal with it. Yeah. Right. And the harder they try, the more it will backfire. And so even in Islamic countries like Saudi Arabia and Iran, guess what's happening there, folks? They're getting literal dreams and visions from Jesus Christ and from angels appearing to them in their rooms. You can't keep Jesus out. It ain't happening. You might think you're winning, but the more you persecute, you activate that, that, that spiritual principle of sacrifice for God induces growth. Persecution for God induces growth. The best thing the world could do is what they're doing in the West. Just go, yeah, whatever. Be a Christian. We don't care. And let it, and just back off. And then start infiltrating a little lies here and there and let Christianity die. But because you decide to persecute it, well, you're messed up. I, you know, I'll make a bold prediction. China's going to become a Christian nation. How about that? Deal with that. If we last long enough, you're going to become a Christian nation. And the Communist Party will disappear. And once again, be in the ash heap of history. Because huh, how long does communist ever last, communism ever last anywhere? It doesn't. You foolish people. You know, uh, I'm going to shut up. But <laughs> Right, all of them fall. Yep. yep. All right, so. Praise God. Amen. So, hi, G. Repent, accept Jesus. Right, you need him or you're going to go to hell. Period. God has already done this to Jesus. Who are you going, uh, who are you to escape? Zechariah 13, 7 through 9. Awake, sword, against my shepherd. Who's his shepherd? Jesus. And against the man who is close to me says Yahweh of Army, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered and I will turn my hand against the little ones. 
that was Israel. And it shall happen in, in all the land, says Yahweh, two parts, and it will be cut off and die, but the third will be left in it. I will bring the third part into the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will test them like gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will hear them and I will say it is my people and they will say Yahweh is my God. That's right. So if God did this to Jesus, who are you to escape? That's right. I'm nobody. Yep. Right? You're nobody. You're not something special. None of us are. Get over yourselves. Right? I mean, we, <laughs> we're, we're nothing. Right? We're the child of God. We, he values us, but we have no power of our own. We have no authority. You know, we have no ability to rise up and declare anything like these people in the world are doing, like they're going to be gods forever. Whatever. You're, you're toast. Right? So here he says, I strike the shepherd, then the sheep will be scattered. Now I'll turn my anger against the little ones. That was Israel and the persecution of Jerusalem, right? But he said, I will refine and purify the other third. And they will be my people. I will be to them my God. So we got the prophecies fulfilled. Mark 14, 27. Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me. Right? He says, I'll turn my hand against the little ones tonight. For I will strike the shepherd, and then the sheep will be scattered. That's what he was referencing. Zechariah 13, 79. He said, I will turn my sword against my shepherd and the one who is closer to me. In other words, God struck down Jesus. Well, who are you to think you're going to get any different? You're going to be like, wait, Lance. But we have the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe I am a Christian. Okay. This is true. This is true. And what did we just read in the private verses? That through affliction, persecution, you will be purified. Right? Now, you won't have the death Jesus had because Jesus had to die and go to hell for us. We won't have that. But it says those he loves, he punishes. And that basically, if he doesn't punish you, you're not his child. Because you're not being refined. Right. You're toast. So... Mm -hmm. Praise God, I am being punished. <laughs> exactly. Praise God. Like my my kids don't, you know, they don't always say thank you, Daddy, for spanking me. But my daughter has on many times commented on how beneficial it is in the house and the family. Yeah. You know, because it would be a madhouse if I just let people do whatever they wanted to do. And nobody likes it when Daddy gets upset, and I don't like getting upset. But at the same time, you know, I don't want to ever see my children destroying themselves because I, me as a dad is incapable to discipline them and guide them. How much more so God, right? He loves you enough to stop the destruction, okay? So brace yourself and prepare your hearts. James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into various temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, which we talked about earlier. Let endurance have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Romans 8.18, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed to, uh, towards us. In other words, you might feel like everything's falling apart and how can you handle it? But I promise you, what's coming ahead is so much greater that once you have that, you'll look back and go, man, that was nothing compared to this. It's like playing five, ducks, five bucks to fly first class, you know? I mean, so Revelation 2.10, don't be afraid of the things which you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you'll have oppression for 10 days. Be faithful to death and I will give you a crown of life. OK, 
Okay, First Peter 4, 12 through 13, Beloved, don't be astonished at the fiery trial, which is about to come upon you to test you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. But because you are partakers of Christ's suffering, rejoice that the revelation of his glory, you also may rejoice with exceeding joy. And I heard a ministry go over some of these verses this last week, and I was like, man, those are great. And we've gone over some of these before in a previous Bible studies, but I thought that really helps See, man, our hearts say, hey, guys, we can be of good courage that even though we're going through it or going to go through it or it might come our way or we might see it with our own eyes, to be of good spirit, be of good mind and sound body and put your focus on not what the situation is, but your position in heaven. Okay, so top of page six, just like Israel, God will not forget you. He will remove us all from the furnace of testing and refining. Deuteronomy 4.20, but Yahweh has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace out of Egypt to be him uh, to him a people of inheritance as it is today, right? So we're now in the world. We're, we're not of it. We're in it. We're in the furnace, right? Yeah. So two things, the furnace of purification and the furnace of this life and into the new life, okay? So God has a plan for us. Just don't lose heart. It says God will purify the wicked also. It will not find gold or silver to be retained as a possession. Therefore, they are carried away into the smoke of torment. Jeremiah 6, 26 to 30, right? So I told you this happened to the whole world. Everybody's going to go through it. Here's the, here's the thing. It says, daughter of my people, close yourself with sackcloth and wallow in ashes. Mourn as for an only son, most bitter lamentations for the destroyer will suddenly come on us. I have made you a tester of metals and a fortress among my people that you may know and try their way. They are all grievous rebels going around to slander. They are brass and iron and all of them deal corruptly. The bellows blow fiercely. The uh, lead is consumed in the fire. In vain they go on refining for the wicked are not plucked away. Men will call them rejected silver because Yahweh has rejected them. Right? And so these are people in the world, also in the body, that listen, when this time comes, they're going to refine it. You couldn't refine it enough. It says that the fire will eat up the metal, that like the dross will just be consumed away in the smoke, that there will be found nothing in these people worth keeping. And God will just eat them up. And it's going to happen. To the whole entire world, and I believe it will happen. This is just me, and if I can get into another day, I think we got till 2040, and after that, that there's nothing. So uh, it's a whole other thing. But either way, so in my opinion, we're going into it. We're at the doorstep. The birth pains have begun. It's going to happen, but we'll find out. You know, we could be here another thousand years. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. But we'll see. Oh, I know I won't be here for a thousand years. Right. Okay, endure and receive the reward of your endurance. Hebrews 12, 5 through 13. And you have forgotten the exhortation which reasoned with you as with child. My son, don't take lightly the chastening or discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by God or by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and disciplines and scourges every son whom he receives. Amen. So if you are being disciplined by God, it's because he loves you. If you are not being disciplined by God, I would worry. Okay? It is for discipline that you endure. God, God deals with you as with a child. For what son is there whom the father doesn't discipline? But if you are without discipline, of, of which all have been made partakers, then are you then you are illegitimate and not children. In other words, there's a lot of people looking like they're getting away with a lot of things in this world. It's because God doesn't care. They're not his child. He has nothing to do with them. He's storing up that cup of wrath, and he's going to pour it on their head one day. 
right. But to the body of Christ and to the true children of God, we all go through it. We all get disciplined and we all get moved on down the road. You know, one shot at a time, <laughs> getting skipped across the carpet, you know. And so um, we should praise God for it because he cares enough not to leave us alone in our own destruction. Verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of the flesh who chasten us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much rather be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they did for a few days punish us as seemed good to them, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Ah, that we may be partakers of his holiness. That we may be partakers of... So why are you being disciplined? Because he loves you and he wants you to partake in his holiness, to get rid of the sin of your life and the rebellion out of your heart and to walk in a way that is pleasing to him. Verse 11. All chastening seems for the present time to be not joyous. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> but grievous, yet afterward it yields the peace of fruit of righteousness to those who have been exercised thereby. So what does it mean to be exercised thereby? That means stressed and strained and you damaged and healed, right? So you've been exercised, worked out by it, right? You've been tossed to and fro by it. But because of it brings a, a peaceful fruit of righteousness before God. Verse 12, therefore, lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that it, what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. And we talked about the rest of that verse last week. So 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9 said, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy caused us to be born again to the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an incorruptible, undefiled inheritance that doesn't fade away, reserved for, in heaven for you, for me. Praise God. Verse 5. Who by the power of God are guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been put into grief in various trials. That the proof of your faith, which is more precious than gold, that perishes even though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that because of these various trials and the fiery trials that you go through, the proof or legitimacy of your faith is proven to be true. And it says right here, and we talked about earlier, that the more precious than gold. We talked about so much about God's looking for the gold and getting rid of the tin. He says it's more precious than that. It's just a way of ex explaining to you what God is after. The gold, the gold he wants out of you is faith, reliance, obedience, a longing, an understanding that he is your food. He is your oxygen. He is your heartbeat. You can be nothing without him, right? That you cling to him like a baby clings to mama. That's what he wants from you. And if you do that, come hell or high water, you will be fine because you are clinging and standing upon a rock that is high enough. And as David said, a rock higher than ourselves. Right? Verse 8. Why not have, uh, why not having known your, uh, you of in whom, uh, though now you do not see him yet believing, you rejoice greatly with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Right? So, but you have to endure the fiery trials, the temptations, the persecutions, right? And like we talked about earlier, just invite it, get into it on your own accord. And then guess what? You have some say and control over what's going on. But if you wait too long, God will just say, okay, you didn't participate. I'm coming after you. Right? And then you'll be like a kid hearing dad come home, whip off his belt. <laughs> You know, like a bell ringing for each belt loop it went through. Ding, 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 ding. 
you know, and it's it's party time at that point, and then woe unto you, you're going to regret wasting your time. <laughs> right. As we kind of get to the close. So we know the shaking is coming. We know the purification's coming. We know it's happening. Man, woman, and child, it doesn't matter. Worldly, unworldly, godly, ungodly, it doesn't matter. It's, it's going to happen to everybody, period, right? There's no escaping it. Now, as a believers in Christ, we can be like Philadelphia, like we talked about last week, and be hopefully purified to the point where we don't have to go through it, and God spares us from it. And that's the goal. I want that all for you, to be to able to escape. But you can't escape it if you're ignoring it now. You have to participate now. So, but at the end of time, when we talked about this earlier, that the devil's going to be doing lying signs and wonders, and we're going to be doing mighty wonders, right? And so now we're going to talk about receive the latter rain and the harvest of souls, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon those people who have been refined and are 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 be able to be used by God. He's not going to give his power and authority to the people he can't trust that are in rebellion against him. So if you're willing to participate now in this uh, this purification, this fiery trial, this furnace, this discipline of God, you are setting yourselves up to be used by God later, to be like the prophets of old, to be like Jesus, to be like the disciples, to do mighty signs and wonders in the name of God, which that's where I want to be. I hope it's where you want to be. So there is a debate in the church if this is actually what it means, and I'll prove to you why I think it actually this is what it means, right? And I think most of the people that want to disprove it are those who do not believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and they're trying to undercut it every chance they get so that they don't have to defend why they don't have any of them. Okay, Joel 2.23. Be glad then, sons of Zion, and rejoice in Jehovah your God, for he has given you the former rain according to righteousness, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month, right? And so, so how do we know that this isn't just uh, literal rain, but a spiritual rain of the Holy Ghost? Because a couple of verse later, he says this in Joel 2.28-32. And it shall be afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, right? And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, and I also pour out my spirit on the slaves and the slaves of women in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire, pillar and smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood. That's all the things that Jesus said at the very end of time, right? And that up there when we compared, I believe it was Zechariah and, 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 and Matthew, where Jesus said at the end of time, these things are happening. Then the sun will be darkened, you know. So he gives all these things. These are end of time things, right? It says, and I will show wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke, and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of Jehovah. Well, there you go. And it shall be Whoever shall call on the name of Jehovah shall be saved, for salvation shall be in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, as Jehovah has said, and in the remnant when Jehovah shall call. Right? So as we learned above about the end of time and the great shaking, we see here the pouring out of God's Spirit upon all flesh at the end of time. Again, we see the spiritual connection of death and the resurrection of Jesus and the giving of the Holy Spirit in Hosea 6, 1-3. It says, Come and let us return to Jehovah, for he has torn, has torn and he will heal us. He has stricken, and he will bind us up. After two days, he'll bring us to life. And the third day, he'll raise us up. That's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he shall give his, uh, uh, shall live in his life. And we shall know if we follow on to know Jehovah, he's going out, he's prepared as the morning. And he shall come to us as the rain, as the latter and the former rain to the earth. Right? Okay, so we see this connection again. 
uh, here in uh, James 5, 7 through 8, says, Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the former waits for the precious fruit of the earth. What is the precious fruit for, for the earth? It's humanity. Mm. It's not fruit. It's people. Being patient over it until it receives the early and latter rain. There we go. And this is after Jesus Christ died. So when's the latter rain? He said it's going to be later. You will also be patient and establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Okay. So let's keep reading. It says, obviously, the early rain that was poured out was the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to empower his church to bring in the first harvest of souls. So with this understanding, we can clearly see the spiritual connection in this passage. Deuteronomy 11, 13, 15. It shall happen. If you shall listen diligently to my commandments, which I command you today to love Yahweh your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give the rain of your land in its season and the former and the latter rains that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. And I will give grass in your fields for your livestock and you shall eat and be full. So we understand that it's not literally just talking about grass and sheep and stuff like that right as we just learned above so here we will pull it home to prove to you that what he said in deuteronomy 11 was you know exemplified in acts 532 okay so top of page eight it says with the outpouring of the holy spirit being connected to the early and latter rain we can drive it home connecting the above passage even further to this truth right it says acts 532 and he, we are his witness of these things and also his Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Right? So in Deuteronomy eleven fifteen it says, Be diligent, keep my commands, I'll give you the early latter rain. We read in James, we read in a bunch of other verses, Hosea and Joel, that the earlier latter rain connects to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then here in Acts 5, we get the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Right? So we're kind of just the big giant circle. And then we see it in Pentecost in Acts uh, 2 and 3. And so... Um, uh, there you go. So the shaking uh, and refining will be tough, but joy will come. Before we get to that, let's prepare our hearts and minds. Who, you know, show of hands personally, I do want to be used by God at the end of time. Yeah, right. Me, me too. Praise God. You know, and I want to be used in mighty ways. I want to see miracles. I want to see, you know, the dead raised, which I've seen. I want to see people healed. I've seen that already. But I want to see it in such a magnitude scale that it's like you see the forces of darkness and the forces of light going battle, going to battle on the earth. You know, and I want to be a part of that. Don't you? Don't you want to be a good soldier and, and endure hardship and get yourself prepared for that final battle? You know, and that God goes, I can use them. I can use her, him, them. I can use these people. All right. Give them my spirit because I have work for them to do. And then the other part of the church is going to be like, can I still watch Netflix? I'll get the Mark of the Beast. Can I get pizza? You know, and so, I mean, it's going to be pathetic because their minds and hearts are in the right place. They're, the church teaches moralism. They don't teach, you know, Christianity. So uh, let's keep going. Make yourself ready. The shaking and refining will be tough, but joy will come in the morning. Psalms 126, 1-6. When Yahweh brought back those who returned to Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, Yahweh has done great things for them. Yahweh has done great things for us, and we are glad. Restore our fortunes again, Yahweh, like the streams in the Negev. Those who are so in tears will reap in joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed for sowing, will certainly come again with joy carrying in his sheaves, right? 
And so when we go through this shaking, this purification, we know that right now we're sowing in tears, we're sowing in struggle and hardship. But we had to be encouraged that Yahweh is going to give us a bountiful harvest for all the effort. He will not be uh, you know, outgiven, outdone, right? He just wants to know that the, that the proof of your faith, that you really want him, that you really love him, that you really want to sacrifice for his kingdom, that you're willing to forsake it all for him. And man, good on you if you do, because guess what? You're inheriting not only eternal life, the entire universe, but God, right? He will be your God forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Okay. And so praise God for that. So let's read Galatians 6, uh, 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. For he who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit reaps eternal life. Let's not be weary in doing good, for we shall reap in due season if we do not give up. Don't give up, right? Keep pressing on. So again, speaking spiritually, the wicked will not enjoy the latter rain. We have the first rain, the latter rain. We're talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the refining fire, about those for who are Christians and refined will be found as gold. That we also talked about previously that those who have nothing in them, the, the lead and everything will be burned up in the smoke and there'll be nothing to save. So here we are with the latter rain. Same thing. Let's go. Jeremiah 5, 22 through 25. Don't you fear me, says Yahweh? Won't you tremble at my presence who have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass, though it waves toss themselves? Yet they cannot prevail, though they roar, they still can't pass over. But this people has a revolting and rebellious heart. Mm. They have revolted and gone. They don't say in their hearts, let's now fear Yahweh our God, who gives rain both in the former and the latter rain. In its season, who preserves us to us the appointed weeks of the harvest, in verse 25, here's the kicker. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withheld good from you. Right? The good we're talking about now is the power of the Holy Spirit. The thing, the ingredient that empowers us to make us pleasing to God. Who makes us the temple of God. Who empowers us to work for God. This is going to be withheld from those people. Right? And you don't want that. And don't, don't play fast and loose with yourself. You know, just throw yourself all the way into it. Don't hold back. You know, you want to see how close you get. I'll give 80%. Hopefully that's enough. I'll give 90%. Hopefully that's enough. No, you have to give 100%. And whatever part hangs on, God will work you on that. He'll keep willing that down. But you have to avail yourself to it. You have to open yourself to it. You have to ask God to do it. And then prepared for a shocking situation. <laughs> I am not going to lie to you. It's not easy. But everybody's going to deal with some type of discomfort. Either it's hellfire, uh, discipline from God, right? Or self-judging, where you judge yourself and prepare your hearts. Okay. Conclusion. First Thessalonians 3, 11 through 13. Now may our God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And the Lord make your, you to increase and abound in love towards one another and towards all men, even as we also do do to you. To the end, he may establish you, your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and the Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints, right? The proving and the testing of your faith. And then 1 Peter 5, 8 through 11. Be sober and self-controlled. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he 
he may devour. Withstand him steadfast in your faith, knowing that your brothers who are in the world are undergoing the same sufferings. May, but may the God of grace, who called you to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, perfect it and establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. Right? So it says, after you have suffered a while, little while, perfect and establish and strengthen and settle you. Right? And so we're all going to suffer. I mean, and I, I, why Lance, brother Lance, do you always talk about this? Cause guys, I'm trying to prepare you for it mm-hmm. and to, to get your hearts and minds settled. So when these things happen, you're not taken off guard. And the people that like are in India that download this and the people that are overseas in other countries, like in Germany, right? I, I know where all these podcasts get downloaded. And I pray for that everyone that, that downloads these podcasts are encouraged and you share them with people in your country, right? You have my, you know, make copies. I'm doing whatever you have to. They're free. You know, download my book. We shall be like him.com. Give that away for free, you know, and, and prepare your hearts and minds, you know, but don't think it's strange. Don't think God has forsaken you. The church in the West is teaching that God always makes things perfect, easy, and nice. You're always going to be happy wealthy and wise and everything's going to be good for you that is a demonic setup because when it doesn't happen that way you're going to lose faith and I'm trying to prevent that I'm trying to tell the body of Christ prepare your heart prepare your mind get ready for some discomfort if it doesn't come praise God but if it does don't be overwhelmed don't be like where'd that come from Jesus says it's going to happen right so be prepared get your hearts you know ready and just and trust God and give yourself wholly to it. And you're going to be fine and you'll be able to weather the storm. And then it, you'll get past it. And guess what, man? Heaven's going to be so good. I can't wait. You know, and the earth made new and no pain, no suffering, happiness and joy forever. Right? No burdens. Uh, my, my brain can't even fathom being happy all the time and not to be in pain or discomfort or have something going on in my body or, you know, being worn out like I, I was the last two weeks. It's just total burnout that we could go on forever. I mean, I can't even, you know, and delicacies and creative powers and knowledge. I mean, everything the devil is trying to get and give to his people now, God gives to his people forever and with no sorrow added to it. No condemnation. Right. And so don't give up that for this place. No kidding. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes no sense, you know, but we, the the only way you're going to endure is you have to decide in your heart, it's worth the pause. It's worth the sacrifice. It's worth taking some time and go, I will not have this so I can have that. They did it. They do a test. You want to, you have younger kids, you can do this test. You can tell the personality of your children. You put them in a room and what they do is they put in a room and they put a piece of candy in the room and they say, you can have that candy right now. Okay, you can eat it now if you want. I'm going to leave the room and you can eat it. But if you don't eat it, I will give you four more pieces of candy. Some kids cannot contain themselves. Even if they know they're getting more candy, they cannot resist it sitting in the room. But those ones who have power, you can go on YouTube and watch videos of this, have power will sit there and they'll rock and they'll look at it and they'll be like, you know, doing everything for the hope that was set before them of more candy. They resist the temptation to eat it. And man, they're happy because now they get five pieces. And woe to those little kids that don't know how to control themselves. Don't be those little kids. Learn how to control yourself. Learn how to do without. Learn how to sacrifice. Learn how to put away your lust and your desires, your addictions. Right? For the greater. 
Because God was like, listen, yeah, there's sin. You can have that now. That's true. You can. I don't want you to have it. But if you have it, I have to punish you and you're going to burn. But it's there. But if you can resist it, I got more for you. I got something way better. You just have to trust me enough to know it's there and I'm faithful and I'm going to give it to you. And then you're going to be happy. And that's where we have to be. We have to look at the world and realize it's just one piece of candy and that there's more on the other side because God is faithful and he's made a path and he paid the price through the death of Jesus Christ to give us the better. And if you can keep the joy set before you like Jesus of heaven, then you will endure because you'll be so convinced in your heart that it's not worth giving up. That you'll laugh at the world when it tries to offer you it's it's rubbish. <laughs> and that's where we want to be. So let's pray. Dear Father, we praise you, we glorify you, we lift you up. We thank you so much for this understanding that you give us the power of self-control and the Holy Spirit. It's like the forgotten gift. But we have that power of uh, self-control, Father, that we can continue to walk forward, that we can endure the shaking, we can enjoy, uh, join in with you in the purification, that we'll not run from your judgment or your discipline, and that we'll judge ourselves, Father, and we'll get this process started now, today. And we'll get involved, Father, and prepare ourselves so we can be prepared to be useful to you when the latter rain pours out and the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon your children and that we're able to do mighty works for your kingdom. And I can't wait for heaven. And so help us always keep that joy of being in your presence, being with Jesus, seeing your face, giving you hugs, getting lovings, being able to just sing with you and have you sing over us and all the beautiful things heaven will be. So help us to always keep that forefront in our mind and not give it up for temporary pleasure and sin. And we love you very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Praise God. If you feel so led of the Lord and want to know how to donate to this ministry outreach, please visit brotherlance.com and scroll down to the bottom of the main page for the PayPal link. Thank you, and may God's blessing rest upon you. Brotherlance.com